we've been talking about the kingdom of God. Pastor's been talking about the kingdom of God, and I uh, think I'm going to continue a little bit with that today uh, with some different things. So uh, I want to start out by saying something, though. We understand that heaven's a free gift, right? But I want to tell you something. Maturity is costly. Heaven is a free gift. Your entrance into heaven, there is nothing you can do other than acknowledge Jesus as Lord. You can't earn, do anything to earn getting there. But I'm going to tell you, if you desire maturity, there's going to be a cost involved. Now, I'll say that even though there's a cost, it is not expensive. Because it's only expensive if you don't want to pay the price. You think about anything you purchase, and if you don't care what the price is, it's like, I just want it. It's not expensive to you, because you're willing to pay the price. So maturity might be costly, but it's not expensive. Thank you, those three or four people. And we're off to the races, I see. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 13. Pastor was talking about this uh, parable last week. We, we uh, have listened to it. We have heard it in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. And from the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys the field. And we understand, as, as we've walked through our Christian life, that we understand the world is the field and we are the treasure and that God has purchased the field. Amen? We understand that. And Pastor brought that out and was teaching that last week. And I just want to turn your eyes to a little different version of this. In just talking that maturity is costly, I want you to think of this. The kingdom of heaven is like a field... It's a treasure hidden in a field. That treasure is the kingdom of God. And I'm here to tell you that treasure is worth you committing everything you have to learn how to walk in it. See, most of us got saved and we heard the plan of salvation. We didn't hear the plan of redemption. There's a difference. See, and I'll just tell you, I got saved. All I heard about was forgiveness of sins. Wonderful. That's the entrance into the kingdom. But you know, I didn't hear about healing, provision. I didn't hear about the fact that I uh, was worthy. I didn't hear the, the fact that I was holy, that I was acceptable to God. I didn't hear that for years. Because the churches that I, once I got saved that I was part of talked about the plan of salvation. They never talked about redemption. And there's a difference. God, redemption is, one of the definitions, is to return to the original owner. See, it was a package deal. Pastor was talking during the offering about reaching in someone's purse. Pam and I have been married for almost 36 years. Less than five times in my life have I ever put my hand in her purse. Because I never know what's in there. If she says, honey, can you get something out of my purse? I just calmly go pick up her purse and carry it over to her and set it in front of her. Now, see, why do I bring that up? Because inside Pam's purse, she has keys. 
But that's not the only thing. See, the plan, of, the plan of salvation is the key that begins to unlock your entrance into the kingdom. But there's other things that are in there. There's other things that are available to you and I. And most of the time, we were left unaware of them. And so we got saved and still felt all the junk and unworthiness. We still got saved and we're still sick. We still got saved and still had a poverty mentality. We still... Because we didn't understand redemption. We understood the plan of salvation. And I'm way ahead of myself. Good, I just redeemed the time. <laughs> Pastor also made the distinction last week that we're not looking outward to see the kingdom or find the kingdom. You know, we sing the song, we want to see your kingdom here, and that's wonderful, but we need to make sure that we understand we're not looking for it somewhere out this way. And he talked about the kingdom of God is within you. We have to learn how to access that part of us. Jesus said, Matthew chapter uh, 10, long about verse 7 and 8, he said that, and he said it in numerous other places, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Which means, if something is it's at hand, it's within your reach. It's right here within your reach. Now, a large section of the church has set that off for another dispensation. So that the kingdom of God is not at hand. They're sitting in the corner waiting for the world to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And eventually Jesus will come again. And make it all better. And while that will happen according to scripture... If our thinking is that way, we just absolved ourselves of any responsibility to do anything about what's going on in this planet. The kingdom of God is now. It's at hand. It's within your reach and my reach. Here's a statement that I love. I ought to. The kingdom of God you believe you have inside you is the kingdom... Or the kingdom. Let me backtrack because I just said it wrong. I just gave away the answer. <laughs> the kingdom that you believe you have inside you is the kingdom that you will reproduce. The kingdom that you believe is inside you is the kingdom that you will reproduce. So we've got to have a better understanding. Turn to Colossians. Chapter 1. You notice as we were talking, as Pastor was talking last week about Matthew 13, that there's, two, there's at least three instances in that chapter where Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. And I thought, you know, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. So I'm going to tell you a parable this morning. While you have this scripture. And it's going to be very vague because I have nowhere near the ability to access culture the way that Jesus did. But here's the parable. The kingdom of God is like a man, a husband and wife with their son who live in China. Who upon moving to another country continued to have children and grandchildren. 
And everybody's looking at me with blank faces. Did anybody begin to get where that was going? See, let, let me explain this. I was going to use Laura today, but she's out with children. But I'm still going to tell the story. Pastor Anthony and Laura and Jonathan. Let's put them in that thing. Pastor Anthony, Laura, and Jonathan living in China 30 years ago. You remember one of the laws of China? You could have one offspring. That means no Rachel, no Julia, no Tori, no Maddie, no Angela, no Sherry, no Josiah, no Jesse. One. But in the story, something happened. They moved to another country. They moved and took up residence in another kingdom. And when they did, the laws of the previous kingdom were no longer in effect. Read Colossians chapter 1, thir- uh, 12 and 13 with me. If I'm there, give me thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance in saints and light. For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. See, you and I need to have a better understanding that the moment we said yes to Jesus, we were transferred into another kingdom and the laws of the kingdom that we were a part of before no longer have any effect on us. We have different laws that operate this kingdom and and I'm no longer subject to the laws of the land that I left unless I choose to. See, I can still, if we use the story with Anthony and Laura, they still could have moved to another place and still said, you know, we're still going to abide by the law of one child. That would have been their decision. And you and I have been transferred into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of His dear Son. And oftentimes, by choice, by omission, by ignorance, we still live and operate under the laws of the kingdom we came out of. As you begin to look at this, it begins to put some things in in perspective. Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has, what? Set me free from the law of sin and death. There is a new law that has taken place that has set me free from the old law. I wasn't going to turn there, but I'll turn there just because I can. Thank you, Father. Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Redeemed us. Bought us back and returned us to the original owner. Now you look at that and you say back with, with what we're talking about being transferred out of one kingdom into the other and you look around and you go, but Benjamin, but there's an enemy that's roaming around. 
Don't you understand that? Absolutely. You know something? He was back in the beginning too. And even though he was present, God created a man and a woman and placed them in a garden and said, go make this entire planet look like this garden. You have dominion. Go and subdue the planet. Two people. He gave the assignment to subdue an entire planet through them and their offspring. While the enemy was roaming around there, there as well. But the fact that he was roaming around had absolutely no bearing on whether or not they could have been successful or not. He only became a factor when they turned their attention to him. Up until that, he was a non-factor. Pastor's getting ready to go and speak in Santa Cruz. And he was talking about uh, some of the things as we were away this weekend in Modesto, talking about some of the things he's going to teach. And he was talking about teaching family. Here, and here's something that occurred to me after we, we had shared that, when I was thinking about this again this morning. God took a man and a woman. God started with a family. And he gave them the assignment, one family, to subdue an entire planet. And God didn't set them up to fail. He knew they'd miss the mark because God's not limited by time, so he already saw the outcome. But when he set them there, they had to have had the ability to accomplish what he had put in their hearts and what he had told them to do. He didn't set them up for failure. So God took a family. Oh, I just keep going back. The beginning of this, God started with a family. How does this end? It ends in a marriage, the wedding supper of the Lamb. You think God's not involved in family? Two people had the ability to take dominion over an entire planet. And God returned you and I to the original owner through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and re-given us the same assignment. All we have to do is learn how to operate in His kingdom and get rid of the old laws that we still have the default position Right? Oh. Oh my gosh. You and I have a default position. And, and I, let me share, put it to you this way. Oftentimes, and I'm guilty. Been guilty of it for years, so I'm telling you right up front. So if you've done this, we're in good company. But I was like, God, I need you to help me with my old nature. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me. Can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit's not going to help you with your old nature. Because God considers it dead. And the only way for the Holy Spirit to help you with your old nature, God would have to resurrect him. For that to happen, and in doing so, that would say that Jesus' blood wasn't enough. So we don't have a problem with our old nature. We have a habit. We have a default position that we keep falling back on. Every time I turn my computer on and hit the internet, 
Yahoo comes up. It's the default page. You and I keep finding ourselves in situations where all of a sudden we go to that default position of our old nature, that default position that we grew up with, and we step back right into the same thing over and over and over again. Not because we have to. Because we're still choosing to abide by a law from a country that we've been redeemed and rescued out of and no longer has any authority in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. I want to talk to you about uh, two aspects of the Christian life. There may be more. But I can put pretty much everything that I found so far into two categories. Placement and portrayal. If, and if we don't understand our placement, we will never walk out the portrayal correctly. If I go back to the verse in Colossians that we read, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. See, if I don't understand that I was taken out of one kingdom and placed in another, I'll never learn to walk out what I'm supposed to portray in the earth because I'm still trying to live from that kingdom that I'm no longer a part of. I don't understand my placement. And oftentimes, I'm I'm one of those, and I'll be the first to admit, uh, you know, we're, we're all, this is the process. I don't know anybody that's arrived. We're not looking for a destination. It's a journey. And where you started and where I started might be two completely different places. And how long it takes for the light bulb to go on in me and how long it takes for the light bulb to go on in you might be a completely different time zone. Because I'm slow on the uptake. I can read something and read something and I grab it here. But that one foot trip to get to where it's here and I'm living it out sometimes can be a scenic route. (laughs) I, I understand mentally what it's supposed to be. But somehow or another, it just hasn't made it down to that fact where the Word has become flesh in me and I can com- begin to walk out to a, degree, a greater degree. So understanding our placement, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Hopefully this will begin to give some get you thinking a little differently about verses that you've heard and read almost all your Christian life. While you're there in Ephesians, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5.17. There if anyone is in Christ. Placement. He is a what? 
a new creation. Doesn't that sound just like the verse we just read in Colossians 1.13? If I understand my placement, I understand I've been made a new creation. I understand that old things have passed away. They're gone. Dead. They stink. All things become new. See, if I understand my placement, then I, then I really, more than just with a head knowledge, understand that when Jesus died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. And hallelujah, when he rose, I got up. And I got up differently than I went down. I got up a new creation. I got up a new creature. The challenge was I still had an old default page. I need to understand the new software. I can't keep going back to see, you know, oh, how many times have, have you got a computer and they've come out with a new software and it's changed how it functions and you always keep going back to your old computer because it's just more comfortable? Does, does that begin to tell you how easy this is to have that default position that you have that, we, that you and I keep falling back into? Sorry, in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, verse 1. By the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and all who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us, what's it say? In him. Before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. See, we've got to understand our placement. And according to that, God just said his placement for us before the foundation of the world was that we would be holy and blameless. Not somewhere in the sweet by and by. I had a friend that used to say, it's not pie in the sky in the sweet by and by. It's help on the ground while I'm still around. <laughs> we can't be those that will put it off into another dispensation, another time. God's purpose is for us to be holy and blameless now. And the reason why we struggle with that, we're operating still thinking from an old kingdom perspective. The kingdom we came out of, not the kingdom we've been placed in. How did Paul refer to the, saint, to the people he was writing to in Ephesus? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who were at Ephesus. You know, 90% of the body of Christ, at least, has a real issue with saying they're a saint. One of the things I like to ask people is, are you a saint or a sinner? Oh, that tweaks people. Can I tell you, people will fight to remain a sinner. I, I'm... Just in their thinking. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read a little bit here. Paul, called as an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and I think it's Sosthenes, if any of you are Greek people, please correct me afterwards, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Jesus Christ, saints by calling. Saints by calling. You, you know, we always talk about the fact that you and I have been called of God, whereas people, saints by calling. It's not anything that you can do or I can do. It was what he did And he chooses to call us saints by calling. Now, lest you think that these people were some wonderful group of people, this was the same group of people that said, I'm a Peter. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. If we put that in today's vernacular, I'm a Baptist. I'm Pentecostal Church of God. I'm International Pentecostal Church of God. We're everywhere. We're not limited. These were the same people who struggled over the gifts. We've got 100 people in a room. Every one of us is going to prophesy for an hour. Don't nobody go nowhere. These are the same people that said in our vernacular, Ooh, you're going to hell for eating that. They had issues with food, what to touch, what to eat. Folks, these people had nothing over us. And what were they called? Saints by calling. If you and I are going to walk and portray what we need to walk and portray, we're going to have to get our placement correct. Because if I'm going to continue to see myself as a sinner, what would I expect a sinner to do? It's not rocket science. I will portray the kingdom that I believe is still operating inside me. And the very fact that I keep saying, well, I can't call myself a saint. I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's partly true. But it's true if you want to put it in this context. I was a sinner, but hallelujah, I got saved by grace. Folks, being a saint is not being perfect. Being a saint is saying yes to Jesus and saying, God, I'm going to lay open my life and allow you to work and you are going to take me on this process of cleaning out what's inside me. Holy Spirit, you're going to come uh, through events in my life and you're going to keep just highlighting one area because quite frankly, if he showed me everything that needed to change in my life at one time, I would faint, die, and that would be the end of it. And you too. So God in his mercy will highlight one, is, one area of our life and say, Benjamin, let's take a look at this. Oh God, no, I don't want to look at this. Oh God, I can't look at that. Well, here's the challenge that we don't understand. When the Holy Spirit does that, 
It's because he is there with the power right then and there to deal with that area and have it be a non-issue from now on. But we in our infant stupidity, I won't say we because that's not you. Me in my infant stupidity will say, oh God, I don't want to deal with that. That's going to hurt. God, I don't want to have to deal with that. I'm more comfortable dealing with that. I'm more comfortable looking at that default page in my life. Because I know how to operate with that. I don't know how to operate. So we've got to understand some things. There's, you've been placed in a new kingdom. It's going to require that you pick up new laws, new thoughts. Scripture always tells us that we have to renew our mind. You say, well, Benjamin, how long is it going to take to renew my mind? I don't know. I don't know how long the hole goes. I don't know how far you have dug yourself. I, quite, I don't know how far I've dug myself. Because I've dug myself a hole that I got to climb out of. And, and quite frankly, we don't. There, there's things that we can look at and go, yeah, you know, that real quick, it's easy to hit and go, that's got to change. But there's other aspects of it that are deeply embedded. And I've got years of practice. But I got to understand my placement. Because if I don't begin to understand my placement, I can never portray anything different than I already have. And I'll just say for me, I don't know how you are with you. I can, just, I can say this about me. I'm sick of looking at me. I'm sick of looking at the same old stuff. Colossians chapter 2. Would help then I get I guess if I get out of Corinthians. Start at verse 9. For in Him. We're still talking about placement. For in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in Him. Where are you? Are you? Are you convinced? And in Him, you have been made complete. And He is head over all rule and authority. And in Him, you have been circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12, having been buried with Him in baptism in which you were also raised up 
with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions, in the first part of verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of death. We got to understand what in Him means. And quite frankly, we've probably had a real shallow understanding, at least for me. So now let's talk about the other side of it, the portrayal. Colossians 1.27 Christ in you the hope of glory. See, now we're not talking about Christ being uh, with, we're not talking about us being in Christ. We're talking about Christ being in you. Because Christ, the anointed one in, and His anointing living in me will cause me to begin to walk like He desires and wants me to walk, to say what He desires and wants me to say, to do what He desires for me to do. Christ in me, desiring to live and push His way through to society through me. See, we talk about that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Well, why are we still here? We're here to be and point to the solution for those who are still under the curse of the law. It would have been just as easy for you and I to get saved. And Jesus said, that's all I was looking for. But he didn't do it that way. Because he desires that not only do we understand a placement, that there has to be a portrayal. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory is not a destination. You know, we always sing about when I get to glory. Well, I'm excited, but glory's just not a destination. I don't know what I'd really call it. I don't know if you could call it a condition. It's the condition that takes place when the presence of God is recognized and is allowed to move through me. Then I begin to walk and move in the glory. I'm going to date myself, the old song. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. (laughs) That's going back a long ways. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We read the scripture and we always talk about it from the negative side. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Where are you and I reaching? Where are we yearning for? Where are we we pursuing and desiring to grab hold of? We're desiring to pursue and grab hold of the glory of God. To allow Him to function and move through us. That His presence, His ways be known in the earth. That when people look at us, they go, that's what Jesus would do. See, we want to look at it like, you know, Paul made this comment and... and, Quite frankly, I struggle. I still struggle with this, if I'm going to be honest. Follow me as I follow Christ. You want an example? Here I am. That's what he's saying. You want an example of what this is supposed to look like? 
Look no further. I struggle with that. Oh, dear Lord, I struggle with that. Go to 1 John 2.20. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read a couple other verses. Colossians 2.6. Therefore, as you received him, so walk in him. As I have received him, the placement that I'm in him, and now he is living in me, the portrayal. I have received him. He's inside me. Now I walk. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. You know, oftentimes, and I've, again, I've been as guilty as anybody, that will say, <clears throat> boy, that speaker was anointed. That's just an anointed speaker. And the challenge with doing that at times is we begin to cause a separation to take place between how we might see a particular individual and how we see ourselves. Now, again, I'll be the first one to say, there are people that I admire that move under the Holy Ghost. I love that. I'm not making light of that in any way, shape, or form. They have an anointing. But so do you. How many of you are in the education field? Raise your hands. That works for me. Get your hands up. Can I tell you, you are anointed to do what you do. It's not by accident that that is where you have found yourself. God has given you the ability to impart to another generation, impart to another group of people, and He has called you and He has anointed you for the task. It's just not people that might get handed a mic now and then. Stuart is anointed as a lawyer. God has put within him the gift of justice. He has got such a gift of justice operating in him and how that needs to function that he's, where God has placed him is as a, as a lawyer so that he can help bring that justice to the system and to people who aren't getting justice in their lives. He's anointed to do it. Robert, the other guitar player, is anointed in the military, he is called to be a protector, a server. I, I look at Dale with, with doing safety. He's a safety officer. And, and some people might think, ah, that's not the, not, not the career I'd have chosen. But Dale, you're anointed to do that because there's a gift of God inside you that desires to provide protection and safety for people. You're anointed to do it. And it goes across the board, folks. Richard just got anointed to be retired. <laughs> there, there, there is an anointing that is within you. 
And I will say that if you have found a career that you have been in, it's not by accident. It's because the gift of God that is in you and the anointing that is in you has lined up and placed you in that situation so that you can be and portray the kingdom and Christ to those around you. We get caught up with what's just what I do. No, 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 no. I'm here to portray. I'm here to portray something. Okay, so now I'm going to meddle for a minute. If I haven't been already. I'm going to read a verse for you first. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through who? Does that sound like placement or portrayal? It's portrayal. I can do all things through Christ who is right here infusing me and giving me strength to do it. So now I'm going to ask you a couple questions and you don't need to answer about how well we are understanding and accessing this kingdom that we're a part of. The first question I brought, already brought up. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a sinner or a saint? That will be a quick locator about what kingdom you're operating in at that moment. Not the kingdom that you dwell in. Not the kingdom that you live in. It's just where you keep defaulting to. You need to understand your kingdom, where you live and dwell, is in the kingdom of His Son. It's in the kingdom of God. Just don't keep defaulting to the other kingdom. That's question one. Question two. Do you have anything that you just say, man, I just can't do that? Oh, I could never do that. Maybe it's getting up and speaking. Maybe it's getting on a plane and traveling around the world. To go see and, and minister somewhere, maybe whatever it is. But you have told yourself, man, I just, or, or you hear what someone else has done and you just go, man, I just can't do that. I could never do that. You just located what kingdom you're in at that moment. You just found a default position for yourself. Because we just read Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. I might go kicking and screaming. Because I tell you, there's been some places I have not been comfortable in things that I've done. My wife will tell you, I am, I mean, it's like I want to get nervous. I want to be on edge. And she is talking to me all the time because it's outside my comfort zone. And she is going to take this message and she is going to play it back for me. Dear Lord, she's going to do it week after week after week. And when I get in that situation and I'm feeling that way, she's going to say, Do you remember what you just talked about? Do you remember that verse about you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Trust me. She's a good help me. That's... <laughs> Pastor said she's texting the sound booth asking for the CD already. <laughs> so what is it that you're telling yourself you can't do? 
What situation is there that you're saying, it's never going to change? It's been this way. You have a default position. And if I just want to add a little salt just to throw it over the edge. Do you have any area in your life that does not abound with hope and joy? If you have any area, any area in your life, I didn't say that doesn't have a little hope and joy, that does not abound with hope and joy, you've got a default position. Because Romans chapter 14 says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if there's areas where you're out of peace, if there's areas where your joy level is down around your ankles, if there's areas where you have no hope, it's just that you have a default position and it's correctable. It can change because you're no longer a part of that system. You're no longer a part of that kingdom of darkness. You're no longer trapped. You've been translated into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of His dear Son, but you just have a thought process that has lodged in your mind that keeps bringing up a default position. That's all. And again, I will take you back to if you're sitting here hearing that and going, I'm feeling condemned. What did we share earlier? Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. It's the law of sin and death that brings the condemnation. That's not the kingdom of God. That has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. 